the disaster factor strikes, Ahmed is doing some sketchy stuff in NYC, and Aris joins him. The predictions race is getting tighter and tighter, and it's all ahead of us on EuroLeague Sweet 16. Tune in. Great pass from Diamantidis. The lob is done! we go, 40 minutes to a title. Drives inside, looks for the alley-oop! Oh! Corey Higgins just exploding! EuroLeague Sweet 16, exactly what you need. As ever, we are up on SoundCloud and we are, of course, uh, on wherever you get good podcasts. So be sure to search for EuroLeague Sweet 16 to subscribe and get the episodes as soon as they drop. Hello and welcome to yet another eventful episode of Late Pastrami Talks. Um, yeah, I uh, it escalated quickly, didn't it? Just a little bit, just a little bit, and it made me really, really want a sandwich. Okay, well, I think an explanation is due, but first, as ever, I'm Moshe from Team Scout with me, a great friend and co-host. Lewis, how are you doing? How is this morning in uh, in Scotland? This morning in Scotland's actually quite nice. The disaster factor has not kicked in yet, but as we know, winter is coming. Again? Really? Again? You've wreaked havoc. I think, You've yeah, wreaked havoc. I have, I have. Every week, every week I decide this is going to happen and this is the week. This is the week I think it did happen for some teams. Yeah, it's sunny here. So, you know, I'm I'm not accepting the uh, the, the winter is coming thing today. I'm sorry, not me, not Emmett, not the EuroLeague, not Aris. We're, we're not, we, we disagree on that. It's, it's, it's like, here's how it happened. Well, here's what happened. Uh, uh, last night, as it appears, we started discussing because Lewis has decided to press the panic button for FS. From that... To say it escalated quickly does not even begin to explain how the hell we got from talking about basketball to talking about what Emmett is doing, which is, you know, traveling the U.S. right now with Aris as they are aiming to open a pastrami shop. They want to bring pastrami back to Europe. Now, from that, the WhatsApp group got filled with pictures and talks about, uh, um, say, PG-18 kind of drinks. So, uh, Louis, what can you tell us at least, first of all, about that, about the name of, of the business that they want to they start? We do know it's an, uh, it's an artisanal pastrami business, that's for sure. Yeah, it's an artisanal pastrami business called The Truth. Yeah, the reason is, well, you know, it has to do with basketball. It is Amit's name in Hebrew. Uh, and, and, well, there's that thing. It has to be like a Jewish, Greek kind of pastrami shop. So... You know, I'm, I was lost for words to, to talk about, like, to have late night pastrami talks, which is exactly what it was, strange as it may seem. And it, it was strange, I think. But honestly, can you say that it really was strange, like, in terms of, of what this week had for us in Euroleague? Do you know what? All that talk of sandwiches just made me think of the filling of content that we have had this week at Euroleague. And it has been nonstop mouthwatering action. Okay, I need a cold one for this. Yeah, uh, do you know what? It is time to get to the most inaccurately named segment in all of sports and entertainment today, the four-minute warning. Four minutes to get through all the action that just happened in EuroLeague. It's the four-minute warning. Let's start from the top. Let's go Asvel. Asvel had the week, you would say, that I think no one saw coming. And started off with... It, it was a disturbing probably, game, probably, Yeah, they, they started off with probably the biggest win of the week with the last gasp winner over FS. And, I mean, obviously... Costas and Tetsukumpo with the game winner and then some incredible defence on Shane Larkin. Game two of their week, not not ideal, but I think two wins in one week would have been a lot to expect of them. And for me, I think they gave they gave McCarthy a decent game. What would you say, Roger? Well, with uh, I think the biggest one was obviously on a double FS. 
simply. Uh, we've been, you know, we've been on Anadolu's case from, at least Lewis has been like from day one, rightfully so in terms of, look, you look at their schedule, they play Cheska, Madrid, and in this double rounder. Now I know we're not talking on a little press, we're going to talk about him a bit later, but I think it was how Villarban made them look. You, you took, they took one of the best offensive teams in the, in the competition last year that may have been struggling and they, they kind of stopped them on like what, 73 points? That is impressive. That, that is impressive. Yeah. And, and they'd done it without anyone having a, like a particularly big, big night. It was just a very well-rounded team performance. They got the points in the right places. Everyone contributed a bit. Speaking of points, by the way, three out of four games, I think, Chris Jones and Elio Kobo, they put up 37 points combined. Three out of four games. Now, that is something to pay attention to. And it's not just that. Their contribution is not limited to just points. And, and, and I would say that given their roster, given their, the, the two games they had, split week's pretty good. But that takes us, I would say, nicely into, I would say, probably the, the most entertaining game one of the week and it was a game we expected to be very good Barcelona Olympiacos but Barcelona wow did they have a lucky week or did they have a lucky week I mean I won Sadis Javikevskis doing my lottery numbers game one Olympiacos was it a foul let's just get this one out of the way was it a foul and what do you think about the second game I mean it was great I think I think they got away with one I really I really think Monaco have been so much better than we thought but we're here to talk about Barcelona so no I thought um they were really good in Monaco. Brandon Davies had a superb night, big double-double, but they're not getting points from other places, and that's the big worry for them, I think. Until Abrinas is back and then the roster starts clicking a little bit, they could be in a little bit of trouble. But listen, Monaco, tough to beat, in Monaco especially. They came out two big wins this week. I think we, we learned nothing new about them. They're very scrappy. They're, they're willing to fight for wins, which is big as the season goes on. Well, to me, I'd say, I'd have to say that there are like two two things that, that stand out the most for me. One is two games that went to overtime. So on one hand, you can claim that the biggest thing that Barca should take from these couple of games is that in order to beat them, you need to really play the full 40 minutes because two games are going to overtime against them and they can't, they're coming on top in both. That's impressive. On the other hand, you would you wouldn't have expected them to go to have to go the distance like in, in in actually these two games. But set aside what happened in the in the first game versus Olympiacos, where we actually had to go way back, way way back to try and understand when was the last time that Barcelona did not score a three pointer for an entire half. We have found that they haven't scored a single three pointer in, in a game, but still it was it was a sight to see. They ended up uh, shooting. 20.8% versus Olympiacos and a decent 385 uh, 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 against Monaco. Now, I, I want to address something here. We have a lot of a lot of things to go through, but Nick Lathis making four out of six. Lewis, we talked about their shooting ability. It's not going to happen every night. Like, honestly, we love him. He's a great point guard, but four out of six, that's kind of an anomaly. No, it's a unicorn. Yeah. So 3% versus, uh, uh, sorry, 20% versus uh, uh, Olympiacos. The 38, which was an anomaly because of, of you know, Calafis. What do we make of it? Is it a legit reason to, to be concerned or, or what? I'm not too worried about that part yet. I think, like, Nick Calafis, yeah, he's, he's a streaky shooter. He's one of those guys who makes his first couple, they're going to keep falling. But then other nights, we, we've all been there. It's grim. He's nothing nothing but air balls. I'm not overly worried yet because they seem to be able to grind out results. And 
if they can keep grinding out the results till Abrinas is fully healthy and they're in the full swing of things, yeah, I think they'll be okay. But that's, as you said, two over 10 games in one week. That's that's tired legs. Tired legs. And interesting to see how it affects them in the ACB this weekend. So that moves us on pretty nicely, I think, from a team that got two results. We, we pretty much expect them to get to a team that I have written off. I don't want to watch them. You you told me I was crazy. You told me I was crazy. I wasn't. I was overreacting. Basconia. Basconia got two wins. How did Basconia get two wins? Okay. First of all, you uh, you accused me of, of recording drunk uh, in the previous episode. I did. I did. It, to me, it wasn't that much of a surprise. I mean, there is that, that you know, Basque pride, but it's it was more than that. Like, when you think about it, you, you also kind of waited. You said, okay, they were still playing without uh, Baldwin. They, they still had this issue. They still had that issue. And all of a sudden, like, Yogi for all comes with that, like, you know, what was it? We're, I, I came to win your league? Dude, are you not aware yeah. of what's happening? Like, listen, I love the competitive spirit. I do. I appreciate it. But at least wait with with the announcements and declarations. Um, yeah, like... Like here to win a couple of games in Euroleague, very feasible. I think he will win a few games in Euroleague this season. Winning a playoff game in Euroleague, I can't even see that happening with this. Yeah, I, I was a bit worried when I said like two. I, I felt confident about saying those. You know, they're going to a no. But after Alba did what they did uh, in the first round, I was like, yeah. okay, I may be over my head. But then I was like, wait, you know what? Some games are an anomaly, and we've seen that like you know throughout the years. It's not like a one-time thing. You have anomalies. Whenever, wherever, you know, it's, it's the nature of, of things. Nobody can be consistent, like, 40 minutes uh, throughout, like, you know, the 34 regular season games. Even when the format had last games, no one was considered, like, you know, every now and then you had that game where teams dropped games and, you know, it could have been just to part of, of strategies, maybe not like in terms of rankings, but in terms of just take a bit of the pressure of coming to uh, to finals or whatever, or you know, for whatever reasons, but it happened. Teams lost games that were, were, were not expecting them to lose. And I mean, yeah, there's that. So for me, Basconia was a, I'm, I'm not saying they're going to rise from here. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying they're going to win five, six games, you know? So, I mean, yeah. what do you think? And, and, so we go for a team that we don't think will win five, six games to a team that at the moment is not, they're not playing bad basketball, but they cannot buy a win. Bayern Munich, you said, they're a Trincieri team. They'll, they'll, do, they'll do all right. Do we press the panic button on Bayern? I think I need to wait for at least like one more round, maybe to do that. Because they managed to stay close. You know, doesn't matter. Yeah. They, I, I think that's my worry about Bayern is they're not they're not playing terrible. They've, they, they've not had the easiest of runs. I'll give them that. But they're just, they cannot buy a win. I mean, they lost to the disaster factor, Unix. Obviously, there's only a few points in that. And then, obviously, they dropped their second game as well, which wasn't ideal to be to be losing to Zena and Unix in the same week. Yeah, I get it. It's, it's two tough games against two volatile rosters. I mean, they can go off. But Bayern, this Bayern team is very, very different from the very good Bayern team we've seen last season, who would grind out a win. This, this roster just feels like it's lacking that little bit of oomph, that, oh, no, hang on, we're down, we'll get back up. And that's, that's my worry about them. And I think, I'm going to call it, I think he might be the next coach on the hot seat. What? Yeah, I'm, go, I'm, going, to, I'm, going, to, I'm going to say it. I think he'll be the next coach on the hot seat. I, I think I disagree on this because, because of, you know, it's a project in Byron. I, I don't see them, like, you know, getting panicked so bad, and especially not so early into the season after, after the, the year they had. 
I mean, we're expecting Bayern to increase their budget exponentially in coming years. So as long as, the, you know, if he had like this multi-million euros budget, and yeah, he would have started with 0-4, I'd say, yeah, perhaps he might be on the hot seat, but to me, not yet. It's like I said, because they will give him some, like, you know, there are some, you know, circumstances that they can take into consideration. So for me, not yet. And as for like Byron, like seriously, I love Jordan Mickey, but how on earth are you allowing him to score like 16? The dude killed you like in the 16 points. Really? Like he's gifted, yeah. no doubt, but you gotta, you gotta stand your ground. He's one of the, he's one of the better ones in a competition, but stand your damn ground. No, I would agree. I would agree. And I suppose that's a nice lead in for a team that is, is disappointing to a team that's just why what we expected them to be. Albo Berlin. I mean, that, I, I mean, we could, we could talk about Albo Berlin. Are we surprised at this point? Yes, from the first game, not from the second. Yeah. Okay. Do you know? Yeah, I'll give you that. Yeah, the first game that was a, that was a surprise. First game. First game. I mean, yeah. That's um that that's a, that's a bad result um for Fener, but but we're talking about another team that but we're talking out but yes yeah so it's a good good result for Alba bad result for Fener, but the, I mean the second game but Alba actually I actually thought Alba played better against Basconia than they did against Fener, and they lost but they're not they're not a good basketball team there's nothing you can do about it I mean at the end of the day they lost coach Aito Renesis and and it's like. It's not just that, with all the respect to uh, their current coach, Israel, but it's like they lost way too many pieces, you know, at once. And whenever it happens and you don't like pre-calibrate your, your expectations, your, you know, the way you, you think of the game, the way you play the game, stuff like that happens. And everyone, yeah. you know, makes that sin. Everyone makes that sin. Like even, you know what, I, I want to talk next about Anadolu just because of that. Uh, three, four years with practically exactly the same roster. If you don't freshen up the guys, this is exactly what's bound to happen. You get too attached, too in love with the players who brought you to the place where you're at, then this might happen. Again, I'm not, I'm not in any way pressing any panic button. But for me, with, with Alba, we expected them at the beginning to be like not a bad team, but one of the weakest for sure in a competition. Right now, it's like, I think it's a tie between them and Jalgeris, the way that they're performing, but we'll get to Jalgeris as well. Yeah, by the way, Luis yeah. now has his like, Legit terrified by what you said, but Alba, yeah. what is there to yeah. say about them? No, so there's a lot of change. Um, this this was always going to be a but let's take stock of what we have. Is Israel Gonzalez our guy going forward, and then we'll reevaluate. And you want to talk FS? Okay, I'm happy to talk FS. Last night, I'll admit I sounded the panic alarm on all things Istanbul. Most of you think I'm overreacting. Why am I overreacting? Simply because of what that you did started the entire pastrami talks. <laughs> it, it was well over, like, well after midnight in Israel, which means it's like it's two hours earlier in Scotland. And you even, you know, you woke up to something you did not expect to see. There were even talks about camel pastrami, whatever that, that thing is. <laughs> I didn't know it, it even existed, nor do I have an intention of even trying that. Uh, <laughs> I, honestly, I don't know how it gone like from how it escalated from from this from talking about panicking with Anadolu to, to freaking camel pastrami. What the hell happened there, Lutz? Yeah, I, honestly, I have no idea. Like, I pressed the panic button. I, I sent a, a lovely music video to the lovely. group chat, and then lovely you said. And then I, I went to bed. I went to bed. I thought, okay, yeah, lo loving the high life. I'll take an early night. And then I woke up, and I have so many images of different types of pastrami on my phone. I didn't even know there was different types of pastrami. Well, Which, no, that, that's the show. You learn something new every day. Yeah, yeah, you do. And it was not at all basketball related. But, you know, every day is a school day. So, yeah, FS. 
Yeah, exactly. You, I, the, re the reason Pastrami is not basketball related is because the way they looked against Milan at some points, it also didn't look basketball related. Uh, and, oh, and, yeah, they were bad. And that is a great comparison for the first time. <laughs> yeah, it was um, a sandwich with no filling, shall we say. No, they were... Um, they were they were grim. They they were poor against Milan. Like okay, one of the best bits about this Euroleague format is you will get results like Aspel Fitz. You will you will have nights like that where the crowd are on your back, things just don't go right. But they just looked offensively. They had no ideas against Milan, which is a worry because Milan are not they're not a great defensive team. They they have their options on defense. I, when I'm ranking my defensive teams, I mean, obviously, Real are at the top of the list. Then you put your Barca. Yeah, Zvezda at the top of the list, my friend. Yeah, okay, yeah, Zvezda are up there. But like Milano, I mean, Milano are a good defensive team. They are not a great defensive team. Um, especially with the options they have, you kind of feel they'll, they'll, they'll outscore you. And that'll be that. But FS, they just look like they have no ideas. And that's worrying on four games in. Like, it's not like, oh, you can see what they're trying to do. Like, they're just finding themselves as a roster, as you said, that they've been together a long time. There's a couple of wee moving parts there, nothing too big, but it's almost like they forgot how to play with each other, which is yeah. crazy. Here's what I don't get, though. You, you didn't, you never saw that with the Madrid roster when they were running together a few years. Now, that's intriguing. It is, and that, that's probably a nice lead-in because, like, they had Pablo Lasso done the smart thing, and you could just see there was it was drip feeding guys in every year. There'd just be like little subtle changes, like okay, Cacho came out, Doncic took on a bigger role, Faku was out alone, Faku came back. Just like guys, it was almost like a constant little bit of movement just to keep the roster fresh. Um, okay, you're not panicking on FS. I definitely am. Let's be honest here. It's like I, I wrote yesterday. Am I panicking? It's like last year they did not start a season with Dunstan and Lauren. And you could have said, you know what, when they'll get back, things will look better. Here they have, I think, a complete roster. Yeah. And the the thing that that should be worrying the most, I think, that, that worries me the most, at least about them, it's not the losses because when you play against Milan, uh, yeah, I'm definitely saying they're better than last year. Uh, you look at the uh, Barcelona version of last year. You look at the Madrid. Okay, they haven't played Barcelona, but still, they played like Chesca, Madrid, and and Milan. And you know what? You, you can lose to those teams. It's okay. Those are like final four teams. They're competing with you. And how many of those were like on the road? Madrid was on the road. Milan was on the road. I actually think they all may have been on the road. Do you know so that? It's understandable. It's acceptable. But when you when you ask me what's in common for all these losses is the way, and the way they lost, this might be a legit reason to worry about. Let that sink in. Yeah, I agree. It's, it's not that they're losing. You can't win every game, but it's, it's how they're losing. And okay, there's a team that can't buy a win at the moment. Let's go to a team that cannot buy a single piece of luck. And I I, I shouldn't really say this with a smile on my face, Cesca Moscow. Oh. I mean, they cannot buy a oh. bit of luck. I mean, okay, Militinov injured, thankfully not as serious as we first feared. Shengelia steps up and is having this phenomenal Euroleague season. And now Shengelia is out for two months, at least. Yeah, I, I doubt we will see Shengelia again in 2021. And Gregonis is also with, I think, back issues. And with Fareed, you need him to get into rhythm. You need to get him into, you know, so that also takes time. And yeah, he is a Euroleague rookie. <laughs> yeah, strangely enough. And the thing here is they play games... And, okay, they faced Svesta, right, in the second round. And you saw, and, yeah. and you saw like, Svesta, they are a ferocious team on defense. They are, like, brawlers. They are legit oh, yeah. brawlers. You, it's painful to play against them. And, like, literally painful <laughs> to play against them. 
So yeah. you see Cheska and they struggled, which was kind of understandable. Now they they have a, a check this out. You know, their their next games in a the competition, they have Olympiacos the next round Ooh. at home. Not great. Uh, then they go on the road uh, to a French double rounder. By the way, so okay. uh, I'm gonna go and coin it like sealed with a kiss because this can prove to be the kiss of death in a, in a lot yeah, of ways. I mean, they're not teams you want to play against. I mean, Asheville have got a pretty physical front court, um, Olympiacos, yeah, physical, and then you've got Mike James. Yeah, and I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to probably say it right now, Mike James, Mike James is to go off in that game is probably quite high odds. Yeah, I'm, I'm definitely putting him like in a fantasy team, like as captain, uh, just for this round for sure. Uh, and if that is oh, not yeah. enough. They're going to have Fenner at home, then Maccabi at home, then Barcelona on the road. And then, you know, they're, they're kind of sitting Gracetown thing is they're, they're, they're going to have uh, like what, three or four. Actually, yeah, I think it's a five game, no, four game street because they're going to have Basconia, Bayern Munich, who, you know, by then could actually be either much better or, you know, in a very bad place. Then Panathinaikos, Jadris, and only then Unix. So, it's like if they, you know what if they manage to survive the series of games with uh, yeah. Barcelona, Olympiacos, Monaco, I'd say they they should they should be great. Yeah, but if they don't, then different question. And I suppose that's uh, that that we're going from a team that's banged up to the team that does the banging up, as you say, Svena Zvezda. I mean, are they pretty to watch? No, not really. But they they get results. They are. I mean, they are getting results. I mean, they split their games this week. They lost against Seska. They actually run Seska pretty close. And they're not at full strength yet. Obviously, they're, they're still waiting on Adam White. Um, but, I mean, they won against Salgueiras. That's, I think, it's horrible to say. But for the rest of the season, that's one that you can kind of, like, mark up. And, okay, yeah, we're going to beat Salgueiras, especially in Belgrade. And then Seska, yeah, I mean, they're, they're, not, they're not a nice team, as I said. But they get results, and they're smart. They've got a lot of savvy players like Nate Walters. He, he guarded Moody perfect, perfectly. He was just, I know, I know you can't shoot. I'm just going to step off you, let you do what you want, let you try and drive into traffic. Nikola Kalinic, been there, done that, got the medals. I don't think there's anything else to say about Svesta except you really, really don't want to play them if you've got a few injuries. But you cannot look and not get impressed and value and just, you know, like that team because they are a fighting team and it's always you know you always get attached to those fighting teams and i really hope for them to be the more the season progressed to just you know be with us not just be way behind and you know that punching bag they're not going to be the punching bag question oh, is no, definitely not they're really good actually with possession of the ball that when you look at their turnovers versus assists they're generally averaging about the 18 to 21 assists a game but they keep their turnovers generally in single digits it takes a bad game for them to go high, and they're not wasteful, yeah. which is good. It's, I mean, it's a well, it's a well-organized team. And even the game that they lost to uh, to Fenner, they had 21 turnovers, but that game was was close, very close. Yeah, I mean, that, that obviously that's an outlier. Yeah, they had 21 turnovers, but that game was played at breakneck pace. Like it was, it was up and down the court all the time. I suppose that leads us into Fenner quite nicely. I mean, we were talking about Seska's next few games, and I'll talk about it in a second. Fenner, bad loss against Albo Berlin um, for them. I, 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 being Fenner, actually, you cannot lose on the road to this version of Albo Berlin. That's just a bad result. And then they laid an absolute smackdown in game two, for lack of a better word. Unix Kazan, the disaster factor, struck hard, and Fenner just, it was like, the best way to describe it, it was like Big Brother took you to school 
and went, okay, I'll play you for your lunch money, and took all their lunch money. It, it wasn't pretty. It really wasn't pretty. I think that's more of an Unix segment, but Fenner, their, their next run of games is not ideal. And I know I said, Trinkieri for me is the next coach in the hot seat. Now, I'm going to tell you Fenner's next run of games. They're at Real, then they put Barca, Olympiacos, Sesca, Milano. Could Fenner have a coaching change within the next four weeks? What? No, no. That's, that's no a chance. That's an own five. I don't see them winning any one of these games. Sorry. No. Yeah. And, and even, after, even after that, it doesn't get much prettier. Then you've got Bayern, Jalgiris, Istanbul. So in that, in that, realistically, you're going two of eight. Two of eight. Two of eight gets you fired. Especially with fans in the stands over there. They're not going to like these losses. Yeah. I can't remember. Someone was saying like the other night, it was like, Woods last season would the coach have lasted the full season absolutely not if there had been fans in the stands would they have lasted the full season i think no i think so i think someone would have panicked when all hell broke loose and in did. the arena and yeah. did. you just talked about to me the only thing i'm taking from this week is that they did to unix bad bad things <laughs> it's like um i i uh, yeah. it's it just like also unix unix being that bad in that game Oops. where they're just like fenner Having the night of their lives. I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, Fenner, they shot 64% just about inside solid. Then they shot 38% from deep. Again, solid but unspectacular. Phoenix were just that bad. Yeah. Listen, for me, I like those teams. It's like, I, I have no problem watching old school kind of games. But don't get misguided and misled to, to believe that whenever you see a low scoring game, it actually means there was an old school kind of battle maybe it maybe was just like a truly horrendous shooting night for for both teams uh yeah because th this was not a hot mess of a game this was a hell i'm gonna say it. this was a bloodbath oh yeah i mean it was it was it was, it was just painful and then let's go from one game bloodbath to the team that are having this season of bloodbaths apparently countess is running red that's i mean i mean they, they pressed the panic button they did press the panic button and i think it's becoming more and more clear that the problem was, probably wasn't the coach. The problem might actually be just this roster is a disaster. Yeah. I mean, Moody needs time. Moody needs a lot of time. And it's just, it's, they just don't have it. They, they genuinely do not have the time to let Emmanuel Moody learn how to play basketball in Europe. Um, I suppose the, the only thing I've really not enjoyed, because that's probably the wrong way to say it, Josh Nebo is going to have a very long and productive EuroLeague career. He will be, I'm going to say it right now, one of the hot names next summer. Teams will want. He he was somewhat one of the hot names during this summer. But do I like him? Yes. You know, upper body strength, extremely athletic, uh, uh, explosive. Um, hustles. Hustles. Uh, not the most. I'd say he's very raw around the rim. Not about oh, the yeah. rim, around the rim. But to me, the biggest question is, how would you like to be the top scorer or the best thing that, that is coming out of a losing team? Yeah. I mean, that that is an issue. But... What I would say, he is raw around the basket, but he's not getting the ball in the best places. And I think I think that's the problem. Like you've, got, you've got a lot of like nice players, nice Euroleague players on this Countess team. They just, the problem's at the point guard. They need, to, they need to solve this point guard problem. The rumor mill is saying Moody is gone. It wouldn't be a massive shock to me, to be honest. I, I think that's an experiment that needs to end for both parties sooner rather than later. How about Calniotis? Like with him, you would expect that Josh Nebo would have better numbers. I mean... I, I don't want him to play 35 minutes. He's fragile no. at this point of his career, I think. Like, who wouldn't be? 
yeah, there's a lot of basketball under those legs, and it's just it's an experiment gone wrong. As soon as this season's over, the better for Kaunas. Now, I can't believe we've got almost, in fact, we have got over halfway through this week's teams, and we've not discussed something that I said in week one, and you told me I was crazy. I said, quote, this team will only go as far as Scotty takes them. Now, I resisted the temptation on the first night of the week just to send you a massive I told you so. But can I say I told you so? You're wrong. Oh, I'm not wrong. Yes, I will be wrong are. on many things. I, I will admit I was wrong on Olympiacos. You could have said it like after the first week, maybe the second week. But listen, he had 0 for 8 in that night for three points. Yes, I know. But he also had 5 for 5. And great decision-making, like 5 of 5 for two points, of course. But you also saw uh, the other guys like put up crazy numbers, good numbers. And you saw them getting into rhythm. Uh, was it their best game, like their best of their ability? I'm saying we can still expect them, like expect to see more from them. We said the time was an issue because of, you know, the, the no preseason. Again, understandable. But can you really say in that specific game where you saw Keenan Evans getting a bit into rhythm, when you saw Jalen Reynolds, for the lack of the better word, uh, committing war crimes against that rim and that game. Yeah. Uh, T.S. Lasort, by the way, what a nice surprise. Like, I mean, for me, the best thing about it is when you look at his career, now true, you know, only three games that he played, I think, with a team. So the dude is shooting like 86% for two points. And again, not shooting because he's getting the ball exactly where it's just, you know, it's in versus the rim. So understandable. And to see him coming off the bench doing what he's doing, it's 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 impressive, I have to admit. But I don't think... Team it's, it's not a Scotty team. I mean, yes, he's a big piece of that team, but can you really say after the Aswell game? I mean, come on. Okay, I didn't say after the Aswell game. I said after the Milan game. The Milano game, Maccabi, I, I would, I'm gonna say they never looked like winning to me. Yeah, but uh, the second half, you saw Derek Williams getting into offensive rhythm. Not only also, again, great offensive rhythm. And that's the thing. You Like, the more guys will get into rhythm, I think the less Maccabi will be dependent on Scotty. And that is when... Scotty will be the most dangerous piece of weaponry, I think. From yeah, I think that's that's the big problem now is no no one's in a rhythm yet, and they need Scotty. And Scotty's not that every night. I am going to hammer on you, guy. He probably needs another point guard, as we said many times. And then let's, I suppose, since we're talking about Milano and Maccabi, let's go to the flip side of that. Let's talk Milano. Um, I would say, I would say Milano, par for the course. They're an, they're an old, they're a savvy team. They got a good win against FS. They, they, they seem to be a lot more composed compared to the Milano of last year. Milano of last year, I found really entertaining because I thought Kevin Punter, he can go off at any time. And there's a lot of moving pieces there. But I think Nicole Melli adds a bit of cam to this team. Like, they just seem to be, they move the ball, make the right pass. They turn it up a gear when they have to. It's like, we know we don't really have to churn out too many big, big wins until later in the year. Yeah, part of the course from Milano, who wins one of the few undefeated teams left in EuroLeague. Very easy schedule so far, but not good win versus FS. What do you think, Moshe? First of all, I'll say that I expected Maccabi, if you remember, to uh, to go one and one, and that if they'll drop a game, that would be that. Like, even though we both picked Maccabi to win uh, uh, versus Milano, yeah. I did that because of you. Yeah, I had a bad week. I had a bad week. Yeah, but uh, in all seriousness, Milan, I'm, I'm, I have to, to call brawlers on the front court and their, I'd say, athleticism in the backcourt and fresh legs of, of Vivon Hall and, like, you know, the, the new guys, it makes them much more dangerous and, I think, much more stable than what they were last year. Because still last year, you kind of saw those glimpses of, of previous years where they were 
they were performing exponentially and then they were collapsing even more yeah. eventually. It was, you were like, okay, that is a, yeah, no, not, not good. So, and now that you're seeing this, it's like, okay, the only concern you might have is maybe again, I'm saying this again, the guy that plays above the rim in the, in the front court and father time. Will he get there? When he gets there, how is it going to look? Is it going to affect how it, how it is, you know, how it's supposed to be? Uh, how we're seeing it that it, it is affecting Anadolu FS. I don't know, but should it be something? It's, it's something to follow, no doubt. It is, and I, I pulled it up because I was curious because I didn't feel like a lot of guys were playing like big minutes. Kyle Hines is averaging 22 a game, same with Nicolo Melli. Chacho is averaging 16 minutes a night. Oh, we, we talked about them in the distribution. We talked about it, that they were doing a yeah, good job. And, and, and this year I thought, we said, okay, it's a double game week. They'll rest some guys, they'll take it easy, they'll move it back and forth. That, that means 16 minutes a night for Chacho. It's like you're kind of, you save yourself for later in the season. We're going to need some big Chacho time. Okay. I have to ask you this. How big of a luxury is it that you can you can play Chacho only 16 minutes in your team? Yeah, this is like, oh, yeah, okay, we've got Malcolm Delaney. Yeah, we're, we're okay. Um, Kyle Hines can play better, like Kyle Hines ball. Um, Shabon Shields can handle the ball. But yeah, let's just bring Chacho on for 16 minutes. And Chacho is shooting on 70, 39, 100. Chacho's a point guard, 70% from twos. That's the younger version of Oh, me. I wish, I wish I could have the beard that Chacho has. Teach me how to Chacho, as they say. Let's, let's go Let's go from one, one spectacular bearded point guard to another spectacular bearded point guards. We said last week, they've got a tough week. Monaco had a tough, I mean, I hope they are sitting at a cafe right now with a few beers and just relaxing. They've had a tough week. To me, it's it's one of the, one of two things. It's like, you can take this week and say, okay, we're competitive AF. So we can, we can compete with a whole lot of teams. On the other hand, this can break you because twice you made teams struggle and still you got the short end of the stick. You, you lost both games and you, we went from two and O to being, you know, single yeah. team. so I'm, I'm saying, you know, it all depends on the, uh, and by the way, kudos to coach, to coach Svesta Mitrovic, you know, coming with a glass of champagne to coach Charles at the presser. Uh, that is class. That is class, it, which really makes me wonder what happens if you and I and Aris and Emmett, we all somehow find ourselves in a press conference in Monaco are we getting also champagne? I, I would expect it as an absolute minimum. He doesn't have to give me a glass. He can just give me the bottle. Wow. I'll work out the rest myself. <laughs> yeah, no, they, they did. I think I think the Real game in game one is Real can turn up. When they won, Real can turn up. And Real, Real did. They just they grounded them out. They, they came out hard. They held on to the lead in Monaco game. The fight. I think Mike James going down with Phillips probably just held them out of that game. But last night, I, I actually felt for them a little bit because that game, that game was theirs for the win. And they let it slip and going into the overtime, you kind of felt, okay, Barca get an early dagger here. They're going to do stuff. Well, I'm going to say something that Emmett used to say and actually write in his book. And by the way, we, we really do mean this. He's, going to, he's probably going to say it better. But just like he said, he wrote it and, and I like it loud. It was like, Cheska always, they kept finding ways of snatching the feet from the jaws of victory. Yeah. Yeah, and Monaco are doing like the exact opposite right now. They are finding ways to lose when they should be winning. But no, they're um they're fun they're fun to watch. They're really entertaining. And I'm going to give a shout. I think they might have the best home court atmosphere in Euroleague. What? Because if you watch if, if you watch Monaco, it is intense. The, like the crowd is over you. It looks packed. It's loud. And what they've got going on there. It made for, it made for a spectacle. Um, no, I, I actually, it's, it's on my list of things to do is go and watch Monaco and Monaco. 
Zvezda, Maccabi, Fenner, like, you know, a full house in Fenner's arena. Yeah. A full, yeah, a full Come on, it's... And, and it's, it's up there. It's up there. It's okay, up there. With it's, this, I can agree, but, like, saying there, come on. Like, you, you saw... This, no, sorry. This, this season, they have been the best. Okay, so let's let's move on for our disagreement over how fun Monaco are to both Olympiacos. Um, I mean, yeah, like, they had a tough loss. They, they did have a tough loss, and I'll let you take this one because um, obviously I, I know my, my personal feelings on anything Barcelona do are particularly biased. And that's because of La Provitola playing there. We know, you know. Of course, yes. My, my, my little prince, he plays there, so I, I am exceptionally biased. So, okay, Olympiacos, I'll let you take this. Also, another great arena with, when, when packed with fans much better than Monaco. It's like I said, we, we have Maccabi, we have Olymp- the Greek teams in general, we have Fenner, we have. Great team, great teams when they're playing well. Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, so you know, like you said, the Greek teams when they're performing well, and Olympiacos is performing well, and Maccabi also. You know, they have a solid crowd. For me, you know, you have these five, six teams that I would put before, and like you know, the Serbian fans also a sight to see. Um, Basconia also great, great fan base. So for me, when you say like, you know, Monaco, it's like, I know we went, we did like, we took a tremendous detour here, but with Olympiacos, I'll get back to them right now. I'm saying like, you know, they dropped the game essentially uh, with Barcelona. That game was theirs to take. Um, And then you kind of saw Jaguaris, you know, taking an early lead over them, which we, you know, it's the new coach kind of the the impact. Yeah, yeah, the guys are worried about their jobs and they need to come back and go, oh yeah, I need to play a bit. Yeah, so that was the, the new coach effect. And then Olympiacos, you know, they, they kind of kept their composure. They got the win. Uh, so I thought they should go 2-0. They went 1-1. One one. Not a surprise. Again, we're talking teams. Again, it's, it's like kind of the F is losing to, uh, to Madrid or to Cheska. It's the same for me. It's all good. Um, yeah. So I take that Olympiacos just like Maccabi. They did what they had to do, one and one. And it's like, you know, it's good. We're good. Yeah, I'll take that. Okay, so we have Panathinaikos, Real Madrid, Unix Kazan, and Zenit. Who do you want to talk about next? Zenit. Okay, um, that interesting choice for me. Zenit, we didn't, I think the problem with Zenit is we are still waiting on Shabazz. We're still waiting on the Shabazz situation. So until that's resolved, I feel like we've nothing to write home about. Actually, there is. They're three and one without having their star key player, you know, opening point guard. So just imagine what's going to happen when he comes back. They are a legit final four contending team. There's no, like, listen, you got to be out of your damn mind to not, you know, to think differently. They're built to last. They're built to go to distance. They're built to, yeah. uh, they're, they're a Chavi Pascual team to break you down mentally, not themselves. It's like, you have Godaitis who finally you can say that he bounced back from his ACL injury. He looks better in terms yeah. of how he moves on the floor. You've got Jordan Mickey, who I think came to the, to the right situation. In my books, I just love Alex Poitras. Love this guy. Big so, body. So bouncy. So springy. So strong. So strong. It's like, wow. Wow. He's a bully. He's like a straight out bully. And you, you can use those kind of guys. And it, like, I'll take him to any team I'm assembly. Simple as. Oh, yeah. So it's like we said, no, same discussion all over again. Now, it's like Madrid losing to Olympiad, like teams that, you know, they are pretty much the same level as we put them together. They can yeah. drop a game. So Zenit lost to Cheska. It happens. The game against Byron, they found a way. You know what? When you're up by that much, and then the team that you're playing against managing to pull off a great comeback, 
and you still manage to take the win, that's impressive. And again, still without Shabazz. We are on very much on Shabazz Watch, and that takes us very nicely from Shabazz Watch to my favorite segment, Rudy Watch. Rudy Fernandez started the season with the most horrendous, I mean horrendous, of three-point shooting. He just could not buy a three-pointer anywhere across Europe. And then all of a sudden, against Monaco, he makes a huge three that pretty much tells Monaco off. Like that was it. That, that that sealed the game for me. As soon as that three went in, very deep three, seals the three. Real Madrid, yeah, they got two wins. They they made hard work of Monaco. Or Monaco, he made hard work of them, whatever you want to look at it. But the, probably the good thing from a Real perspective is the shots are finally falling. Like against Monaco, they actually went 50% from deep, which is a dramatic improvement from... That's actually double the percentage from the, the other three games combined. Yeah. They actually they got the ball moving and the shots were falling. And believe it or not, shots falling makes a difference. Who knew? Panathinaikos, like you expect... Madrid and Madrid to beat Panathinaikos. That's it. this version of Panathinaikos, anyway. Uh, if we're talking about teams that did what they need to do, that's it. Like I think I've said, like I think four times so far this episode, you know, about Maccabi, about Olympiakos, about Zenit, and now, and now, obviously, about I'm saying this about Madrid. But seeing, for example, a Balde with 16 points, but in in Visimparia, 10 and seven in just like 20 minutes with Tavares. Yeah adding 17 and nine, that is like one impenetrable front court, honestly. Yeah, it is. And it's, it, it's nice to say, like, when you look at, like, we, we spoke about it already with Milano and luxuries. Yeah. Real Madrid brought Sergio Yulon for 15 minutes. He dropped two filthy threes, three assists back to the bench. I mean, a glutton of luxuries. And as we keep saying, no Randolph, no Tompkins, TBC on JC Carroll. Madrid are doing what they have to do. We, we will see them in May. Oh, yeah. And we'll drink to them and to all the other teams. I mean, I mean, look, we're like, what, 16 guys, 18 guys, whatever we'll be. We'll, like, we'll have, I think, 18 beers combined at least, or 35, whatever it was in Belgrade. And, and do you know what? Speaking of not being able to count, let's talk. In fact, you know, we can count. I can count the number of beers we had in Belgrade, but I can count almost on one hand the number of points Unix scored in certain quarters against Fernabachi. That was painful. I was really thinking about maybe making this game like declaring it as a no contest at one point. And you cannot blame me. Yeah. Yeah. And do you know, I actually take my previous statement back. In the third quarter against Fernabachi, I can count the number of points Unix scored five. How do, how do you only score five points in a game of basketball? And in, in, in 10 minutes of basketball, you can only score five points. Okay. That's painful. Actually, that's easy. Either a three-pointer and a two and a, and a two-point field goal, uh, five free throws. Uh, yeah, but free only. Throws only. And, oh, that's messed up. It's like these no will to live whatsoever. That is disturbing. I think more than anything. Yeah. Because pride yeah, is like a big thing in the early. Pride is a huge thing in the early. Yeah, and it, that was probably the only thing I learned about that roster is. I, if that was most other teams, I would expect someone to be getting a very, very angry technical and kicked out of the game. Mm-hmm. Unix just, they just didn't seem to have the dog in the fight. Look, if we're talking big wins, this trade up sent me to the uh, playoff series where you saw like Olympiacos and Siena, I think it was. I mean, oh, we've, yeah. we've seen like playoff series, we've seen games, regular season games of teams like being annihilated. Like, you know, there was a Maccabi Pesaro game with the 50 points differential back in, you know, the, the, the early 2000s. Yeah. 
you had the, the playoff series, like I said, of, of Siena and Olympiacos. You had last year, even I think Fenner got smoked on a couple of occasions. Like it happens. Yeah, I mean, I, I was going. To, I was actually going to say I can't remember the score, but I think it was just maybe the aftermath with Busgate with Fenner, Panathinaikos. Yeah, it's uh... these things happen. So yeah, um, Unix. Yeah, they, they were the less said about this week, the better for them, I think. And Panathinaikos, this, this is the last thing we got left to talk about. And, and to be honest, like we had it, they they lost to Basconia and they lost to Real. Basconia, with hindsight, they had to win eventually. And unfortunately for Panathinaikos, they were that team they won against. Um, going on two isn't great, but we didn't expect Panathinaikos to have a good season anyway. I, I don't want to elaborate on Panathinaikos, just so you know, it is exactly what we expected them. I expected them. I mean, they have so many issues, so um, you know, I don't want to elaborate it on them. It's, it's just like it is what it is. Yeah, it is what it is. Yogi Ferrell might be a point of intrigue, but probably not. He's definitely not winning Euroleague. But next week, we have a whole new list of games to panic on. So, Moshe, let's hear your games of the week you know what let's start off with you <laughs> okay so i've i've got a game i've got my my thursday night game and it's, it's all the wrong reasons i think this could be a game that is panic central jalgiris Bayern. i don't think it'll be a good game of basketball but i think that will be a telltale sign i think that will be emmanuel moody's last game in euroleague yeah i just i i mean fs unix i could see about panic there but uh, it's it's it's, a, I would say, a disaster-free week next week. Uh, so, with my predictions, this is where I'm going next week. Wait, what game have you picked for Friday? And are you drunk on pastrami or what? What on? I've sent the alarm. Yeah, I've sent the alarm. Okay, like, so my predictions. Really last game in Europe? Yeah. I am going to say Emmanuel Murray's last game in Europe. And for the Friday card, Friday card isn't great next week. Um, Barcelona Zenit. By default, I think that could be a pretty fun game to watch. It'll be interesting to see how Zenit handle Pro- probably a, a legit team that isn't at full strength. So they're kind of on a similar boat. They're both missing key pieces. Interest to see who comes out on top there. Okay. And your picks? My picks are the picks are tough this week. So there's 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 a lot of teams that are playing each other, and neither team's playing particularly well. So I'm going Fes, Bayern, Maccabi, Milano, Real Madrid, Spain as Vesda, Olympiacos. Monaco, Barcelona. Damn. Yeah, that's what, that's what I'm sticking with. Yeah. Um, I, I, I mean, I think Seska Olympiacos could have been a good game, but losing Shengeli is big for Moscow. So I think that kind of takes a bit of the, the bite out of the apple. Honestly, the biggest concern I have, or maybe the the one that makes me doubt just one pick of, that, that you've made, is the Anadolu FS Unix game. Because after getting whooped the way they did, the question is yeah. what kind of memories they have from Turkey, from Istanbul. Yeah, and how, how do they respond? Because they need to respond. Yeah, and if they if they respond, it's like the FS, they're going home in five. Yeah, not ideal. Moshe, tell me your games of the week and your picks. Well, you know, my games to, to watch, obviously, on the double FS Unix, just for the aforementioned reasons, and Barcelona Zenit game like i would have taken chesca olympiacos just because but like you know chesca are missing way too many key pieces and fenner can't really measure up against madrid right now so you know it's uh it's complicated i don't think like you know it's the game to watch nothing special about it so i'd say barcelona monaco olympiacos Vesda, madrid milan Maccabi, byron and now as for anadolu fs unix i really do not know what to make of this game for the life of me. You know, it's yeah, uh, that, that was a tough one. 
I, you know, even Barcelona, uh, uh, Zenit can be a tough one because Barcelona, they can inflict pain on your ass. Oh, yeah. If, if Barcelona come out and have one of those nights where they are, they're going off for 30, and it could same, be a long night. And same goes for Zenit. They can also inflict some serious pain. So to me, like this game is as complicated, but I'll do what Aris used to do. And Aris, uh, you know, he kind of covered a whole lot of ground pretty fast, honestly, both him and Emmett. So I'll take the home rule. On this game, like on both games, even though I think Unix should win, uh, which means I'm going with you in each and every one of your picks. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm taking another little first. Okay, nice. But in a very close match, I don't see like Unix getting smoked by 20, 30 or what have you. No, I definitely don't either. Okay, and these were our picks. And I think it's time, you know, to, to say those magical words. Uh, but before we do just that, Luis... Where can they find you? Right now, you can find me looking for my laptop charger. Otherwise, you can find me on Twitter, at HalfGlenny. And as of next week, it will be very much green and black themed because EuroCup is back. EuroCup is back. And I'm very excited. And what he didn't tell you is that he's about to have a conference call with Emmett because he wants to, uh, to be a silent partner in that exotic artisanal pastrami shop known as The Truth. When they come here, I'm their like strategic uh, kind of consultant. So, you know, we'll, we'll talk about it. Hopefully, though, not in, you know, late night. Yeah, I need my late night sandwiches. I get too hungry last time. Okay, so that's where they can find me, Moshe. When you're not advising us on pastrami, where can they find you? Advising everyone on basketball and, you know, getting the predictions right 100% of the time. Not really, if only. So with that, I mean, you can always find me and I'm Team Stunning and Moses B1, the, the Facebook page of Team Scott and the website itself. Obviously, the first two were on Twitter. There's Moses B1 on Instagram. And there's also Emmett Ryan. You follow him at Bond Europe, various social media platforms. And there's Aris Barkas of Europe.net, where you can find him also at R Barkas. And now we can finally say those three little magical words. Luis, will you? Basconia have one? No, I'm just kidding. Until next time. Great pass from Diomatidis. The lob is There we go. 40 minutes to a title. David Blue for three. On the mark, David Blue. Now Spinelis drives inside. The Corey Higgins just exploding. EuroLeague Sweet 16. Exactly what you need.